I've often watched the island from the mainland, though the fog makes it difficult to see. The volcano at its summit bulches smoke on this foggy and cold morning. From a distance, it would seem as though the only activity on the island is geothermal, but deep within its caldera, Dr. E.Q. Ignatius, mad genius and criminal mastermind, plots himself closer and closer towards complete world domination. The good doctor's wild schemes, though usually foiled by Monsieur Formidable, that francophonic freedom fighter, are and have always been impressive. Their scope and complexity boggles the mind. Truly genius is a suitable title for a man. But no matter how brilliant Dr. Ignatius may be, he cannot bring about his plans on his own. Hundreds of hard-working local men and women serve under Dr. Ignatius as lab techs, guards, cooks, and defense attorneys. Here in Cordisboch, a quiet coastal town, the doctor is one of the largest employers in the region. Many local businesses supply the island's expensive and varied needs, and local fishermen can sell even the smallest catches to Ignatius's kitchen staff. But although Ignatius gets his share of media attention, the people that work for him rarely do. This is their story. I'm Clive Vanderhaus, QXJ News. I spoke to Wensleydale Thrinebolt, a local mechanic at the EZ Auto Repair Shop in Cordysborough. His brother Ned works for Dr. Ignatius. Yeah, me brother works for the doctor. Seems a decent enough sir, according to what he tells me, I mean. Ned's always bringing work home on the weekends. It's usually some kind of robotic animal or another. Doctor's all about robot animals, he is. Last spring, a huge horde of robot wildlife descended upon the flagship bank of Crady Swiss in Zurich, overpowering and disabling the guards and making off with over 36 million in Swiss francs, some of the most stable currency in the world. It's not known who was behind the attack, but experts are fairly certain that it was Dr. Ignatius, for whom robotic animals are something of a calling card. No one was injured in the robbery. Considered working for the man I did. When I graduated from the technical college, I figured maybe he'd want me, as Ned had been working for him for a year or so by then. But the auto shop was hiring, and I didn't want to move out to the island every week. Ferry runs every three hours, but you know, folks that work there full-time tend to go home only on the weekends. That's Barnaby Thimble, a bartender at the Threathers Screw, a harbour bar and hangout for fishermen, dock workers, stevedores, and other synonyms for maritime professionals. He works them hard, but I've never heard anyone speak truly ill of the doctor. Met him once. He comes over to the mainland a few times a year for important town functions. Mostly, though, he keeps to himself. Shook his hand. Firm, good grip. Rough hands. Works hard, he does. I can respect that. The Threadless Screw, Thimble's Bar, is a clean place, with all sorts of seaside paraphernalia. Old life preservers, anchors, carved and painted seagulls. I spoke to Nancy, one of the servers, over lunch. And here's your sandwich, Cloy. Thank you. So, what's to be said about Mr. Ignatius? He's been good for our community ever since he took up on that island. Made us real prosperous like he did. He revitalised our economy and gave us something to look up to. The number of high school kids what go on to college out of Cordy's Bar has gone up by a good 15% in the last four years. They want to go get educated, learn science, just like Dr. Ignatius. I had to learn more about the operation. I had to know what the facility was like. So I took a ferry over to the island. Now, if you look out over to your right, you can see the patrol boats. They're always active, looking for superheroes and do-gooders. What you don't see is the attack robot crocodile. Those are deep below the surface. I made it to the island without incident. I couldn't be sure if the ferryman was joking about the attack crocodiles, but I suppose it's best to be safe. Ignatius's lair is within these doors. 
two huge iron portals, easily a dozen feet high. I'm going to knock. Yes? Uh, hello, yes, my name is Clive Vanderhouse, QXJ News. I believe you should have me on a list. We do, Mr. Vanderhouse. You're clear to come inside for your security screening. way into the island through massive doors into a very comfortable looking corporate office. A woman sat behind a desk and two men in suits and ID badges stood on either side of her. I removed my hat. Uh, hello, I'm Clive Vanderhouse and I suppose I'll need a press pass? Yes, Mr. Vanderhouse, but first a security screening. Oh? Yes, we never know what you might have brought in with you. The two men moved towards me. Our security agents will be gentle and respectful Provided you are truthful and honest. We're not a governmental organization, Mr. Vanderhouse. You needn't blindly obey us, as you probably obey them. If we ask you a security question, you don't have to tell us the truth. But we'll beat you with truncheons until you do. I allowed myself to be frisked without incident, then metal detected, and then explosives sniffed by an unpleasantly thorough dog. Just a safety precaution. You understand. Sometimes superheroes bug unwitting stooges with all sorts of devices. I was no stooge, but I took it in stride. I told her that the last time I'd even spoken to a superhero was eight months ago. That was Coinslot, the American superhero who always has correct change. The interview ended abruptly when Coinslot had to rescue a nearby motorist from the fearsome clutches of a parking meter. I ended up speaking to the woman at the desk. She was conservatively dressed and rather mysterious-looking. A pair of chopsticks held her dark hair in a bun. She sat, legs crossed, watching me critically. I'm Dr. Ignatius's amanuensis secretary. I make sure no undesirables get in, at least not through the front door. We've got banks of security camera feeds right here, on this desk, and against this wall over here. We've had cameras trained on you since a little bit before you got off the boat. We've got three separate radar arrays in case one or two get jammed. But I'm not really the one you should talk to for security issues. Here's Melvin, the island's chief security officer. Melvin, a balding young man in a lab coat, took me down the hallway and gave me a quick survey of the island's defenses. Our facility is probably one of the most secure in the northern hemisphere. Nobody gets in or out without us knowing. See that camera? We've got a camera watching that camera to see if it's been sabotaged. And we've got another camera watching that camera. And bolted to the top of that is a teeny weeny little baby camera. We're very secure. All of our air vents are full of razor blades. Razor blades laced with kryptonite. No do-gooders will ever scramble through that on our hands and knees. On top of that, we've bolted them all closed. Hella closed. The only thing that gets through our air vents is air. But that are pain in the bonnet to clean, believe you me. That's why we use prisoners to clean and G'day, 0012! Did you enjoy your pun cakes today? Tomorrow, it's waffles for brekkie. Those waffles, too, are filled with razor blades. We run a tight ship here. The boss brooks no argument, and we tend to go along with what he says. He's a good employer. I wanted to see what someone slightly lower on the food chain had to say about that, so I spoke to Tom, a perimeter guard with a love for Baroque architecture. The design of the place is really fascinating. A number of very interesting influences came together in a lovely sort of synchrony to form the ramparts here. 
You can see a little Rococo in there, but really, the balustrade's just there. Absolutely fantastic. I could be a henchman for any fun, but I love the look of this place. I can't stand the postmodern look most supervillains are messing about with these days. Captain Malevolence? Too pointy. Felonious monk? Too austere. And I wanted to be close to home. I have a wife and kids in town. But being a supervillain's henchman isn't just admiring the view. Tom and the other guards have a number of different responsibilities. Some of the more experienced guards will teach a course in basic guardsmanship for each batch of new recruits. You'd be surprised at how many new henchmen can't even hit a target at 50 paces. In the old days, we just assumed that if you were going to work for a criminal, that you could handle a firearm. But, well, we've discovered that's just not true. So we do orientation exercises, icebreakers, getting to know you games, and the like. Everyone has to know everyone else, or someone could easily impersonate one of us. Tom has taught most of the courses to new recruits. Yeah, there's running, jumping, always traveling in pairs, basic marksmanship, not falling asleep, any sorts of rhetoric. That last one was the boss's idea, and he always teaches it. It's great, he's very engaging. The island is a great place to work. Sometimes I get the weekend shift, and I spend the week at home, see the kids. They have wonderful benefits. Health insurance for their family, life insurance, death insurance, and dental. And I love these uniforms. I have to be frank here, Clive, but I've never felt so... Can I say this on the radio? Sexy! We were looking, honestly, to go in a direction that hadn't really been done before. At least, not in this line of work. That's Genevieve, the island's resident fashion advisor. Enchmen are notoriously ill-dressed. It is a slap to the face of discerning villains everywhere to see such jumpsuitery. Around here, we are classy yet functional. You know those policemen in Rome? The hot ones? We. That's totally us. Their uniforms are in several pieces, so that they cannot be removed so easily in case a guard is not unconscious and somebody wants to steal his or her clothing. Also, each uniform is tagged to a specific guard so that if it is ever worn by anyone else, a fashionable spray of ink will hit that person in the face, marking them unmistakably as one of the enemy. If spotted by one of the other guards, such a person is generally shot on sight. That was sobering, and then she turned on me. And you, Clive. That jacket is absolutely not you. You're lucky I am not in charge of your wardrobe, or I'd have your suit in shreds on the floor in seconds. You need more spring colors. You're a spring, you know. That tweed ensemble is just so... Old man, so dry and crackly, so autumn, and so loud I can hardly hear myself think. Get out of my sight. Dr. Ignatius's operation is built around an active volcano, which he uses to power his various machines and reactors. It also provides all the heat for water and other more mundane uses. But no supervillain, brilliant genius or not, could long resist the other various uses for persistently bubbling magma. Well, the mean temperature of the magma tends to be at about 1,652 degrees Fahrenheit, that's around 900 degrees centigrade. We take great pride in our magma pool here, and we use it for a number of <laughs> very interesting things. This is Deepak Subramaniam, a member of Ignatius's inner circle. He gave me a tour of some of the darker aspects of the island's operations. The darker aspects beyond, you know, using prisoner labor to clean up air ducts full of razors. 
My technical title is Director of Creative Homicide Solutions, but really, you can just call me Subi. Subi took me on a tour around the ceiling caldera, which is protected by several sheets of thick plate glass. We, and by we I mean the staff and its guests, are terribly safe around the magma pit. It is impossible for you to fall into the pool from here. Okay, I mean not entirely impossible, but you really have to try. But if you're not such an honored guest, if you catch my meaning, you're treated to the more unpleasant aspects of such a pretty public heart. From where we were standing, the magma looked nothing so much like a big pot of fondue, except that it glowed and the air around it shimmered from the heat. As we walked around the pit, I noticed banks of comfortable-looking couches, all facing the pool. I inquired about them. This place is essentially our break room. It's so cold and wet outside for nearly the entire year, and this place just sort of called to people. They'd go and hang out here on breaks even before the plate glass was installed, back before we put in vents in its tank of sulfur. That's just how inviting the chamber is. It's just homey. Over here, we've got the wet bar for parties. You wouldn't believe how many people from the mainland request to have wedding receptions in here. It's great. A wonderful source of revenue for the island when operations are slow. Subi took me over to a raised platform with more couches. This is the observation deck. You can get a good look at the pool from anywhere around the rim, but this is the prize spot. I gave him a blank stare, not understanding. Oh, of course, for the executions, I mean, I thought you knew. We hold the major executions here. These are the best seats in the house. I received an explanation of the latest death trap installed above the pit and tried to keep my emotions in check. We don't kill people in here that often, but when we do, oh man, what excitement. We redesign the death trap every three months just to change it up. The engineers compete to design the one that wins, and whoever's design is selected gets a bonus. Then I oversee the construction and implementation. It's great. The one we've got for this quarter is, well, how about I just show it to you? He pressed a button on the arm of a couch, and after entering a security code, a control panel sprang up. Now, we don't do live demonstrations. It's bad for PR. So we use these incredibly lifelike human models made of tofu. A small bipedal mass of bean curd appeared on a conveyor belt. Subi began to explain the particulars of his fiendish death trap. Would you like to do the honors and press the big red button? I pressed the button. Immediately things started whirring and blinking. A bank of televisions sprang into activity on a near wall. There were feeds from cameras inside the pit, trained on the tofu mannequin, and true to what Melvin the security man had told me, on each other. Now, if this was really happening, we wouldn't just have the subject on a conveyor belt. He'd be thrown in by some burly eunuchs. Oh, oh, and there he goes. He's fallen off the conveyor belt, and now he'll go through the rotating knives. There. And a short respite, at least he thinks, because he's landed on what appears to be another conveyor belt, but it is, in reality, a giant belt sander, which rubs up against this wall there. When he falls through there, he lands on that pillow. Oh, he thinks he's done, but look! Spikes shoot out right under the pillow! Oh, that is my favorite part! And now, at this point, a beautiful woman approaches our little tofu man and holds out her hand. And look, she embraces him. But aha, it is not a woman at all, but really a robot made out of tiny robot spiders. And they crawl all over his flesh, and he falls off that platform there, passing through the web of lasers. Interrupting those lasers activates these spinning fan blades there. Then he falls into the magma, and then the robot animals swimming in the molten rock. See how they scurry. Look, there are the robot piranhas, and there are the robot crocodiles. Oh, my favorite is the robot bears. See how they fall upon him, our little tofu man. They rip what's left of him to pieces and submerge him in the magma. Oh, look at it sizzle and bubble in the blazing horrible inferno. Imagine if it were a real man made of meat. 
how he would just be by now a mashed-up jumble of flesh and muscle inside a thin casing of skin, scorched and stored. That was possibly the scariest thing I had ever seen. I said nothing, trying to hold my lunch down. Subi produced a plate from behind the bar. Care for a hot dog? It's made of fresh tofu. I'm not going to lie, listeners. I definitely threw up there. After I cleaned up a bit, took a shower in the chem lab and got a change of clothes, I went into the doctor's inner sanctum to talk to the man himself. Ignatius is a very dapper gentleman, complete with smoking jacket and monocle. He smoked a pipe as we sat in his study. They called me mad at the academy. Mad! Which was true. I kind of always had a temper. My analyst and I have been working on that, but she really can't help me get over this weird desire I have to conquer the world. It's just... I have a hard time letting go of it. I think I've got all the right things in place, you know? The robot animals, the happy employees. I love being located in Quaddy's bar because it's pretty isolated, even if it's on the mainland. The bar is sort of a small finger of land that juts out into the ocean, and there's not really much of anything else to the north of us. So really, we largely have our privacy when we want it. But being so isolated doesn't mean we're not cultured or anything. Oh, no. We have regional festivals, we have... Oh, we had this symphony orchestra come in last spring. That was nice. And there's always the yearly staff show. That's always a good time. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Vanderhouse, I'm afraid I'm going to have to kill you now. What? Why? You know too much, Mr. Vanderhouse. If this news got out, it might be a danger to our organization. I just wanted to do a slice of life piece. Yes, and you'll be doing a slice of life. Your life. Ha ha ha. Oh, what? It's funny. Aren't you going to tell me some kind of evil plan before I die, then? Why would I do that? You're not even important. Oh, God. Wait, if I'm not important, that means you're not going to send me through the horrible torture device. Right? Right? <laughs> right. Clean up in aisle... My office. Yeah! <laughs> As I lay dying there, I thought about a lot of things. My Neopets, my bank account, my wife and child, silly things, trivial things that flickered by as I reviewed my life. I realized that before I really had to pass on, I'd need to get my story out there, out to the masses. That's a journalist's responsibility. So, from the great beyond, this is Clive Vanderhaus, QXJ News. Goodbye. Also, would somebody feed my Neopets? They're probably starving. I bet Wendell is at, like, hunger level severe right now. I have them at such high battle levels. Jeez.